Welcome fellow travelers to the new podcast hosted by Anthony Stone. Whether it's the paranormal, UFOs or conspiracy theories, I hope you will join us. You're listening to Paranormal Night Owl Radio. Greetings to yet another edition of the Paranormal Night Out Radio. Now, I'm sitting here taping this because I'm still working on some of my podcasters that I haven't gotten ready for the podcast yet. Uh, I always, like I say, I set them in the sound effect of AM radio. Uh, I don't have all that applied to the rest of them, so uh, I'm working on that right now before I go to bed. We have had a really hot summer this year, but today was actually cooler than most than the than the rest of the days. Now, it was still warm. It was still hot, but I wasn't nothing like. I mean, even my room was staying cool. Uh, I've been spending the past two days on this my Twitch channel on Twitch.tv. You can find it at APFNS. You can follow it. You can follow it. I play games like uh, Street Fighter, the old ones, uh, some WCW Mad Mayhem is on there, uh, and uh, right now I've got some Sims. I was actually playing some Sims uh, and some uh, Street Fighter stuff. So, uh, and it's off a classic Capcom game. On PS2. That's what I've been playing. Um, I also uh, watched this movie on Netflix. The Scummy series. I don't even want to even advertise for them anymore. Them low-life scumbags. Uh, they're liberal dirt bags, But I do watch it. I don't really want to advertise for it. But I do watch it. But I watched this movie the other night. Saturday night I think it was. Uh, from uh, about the king, it was called the king's something. What was it? Oh, what was that? The king's speech, I think. Let me look that up. The king's speech is what I think it was called, and it was about Bertie, King George the Sixth, Bertie King George the Sixth, and uh, he had a speech. Impediment. Uh, it's a very interesting movie. Uh, you know me, I don't really worship the royals. Uh, but, uh, I have that, I had a problem with, uh, Speaking when I was a kid, and I actually had a teacher named Miss, Mrs. McFarland, who I've brought up many times. She's my history teacher. She tried to actually tape me or get me. She forced me to do it. I didn't really want to do it, and I was speaking real low, and I didn't speak right. And I never did like how I sounded. And I kid you not, for years, I didn't even really like to record. Now, I could do silly stuff, like I would do these silly skits and stuff. As long as I was being silly, I could do it. But if I wasn't being silly, I could never...
I'm trying to find that movie. Here it is. The King's Speech. This is the movie that I watched. And there's an article. I'm going to go ahead and read this article. Because you know me, I don't really spend much time on the royals. I don't participate in that worship. But I could see, I could see Southern. That's one of the reasons why I watched it. I was reading about it on the description. And he got this guy that was pretending to be a doctor, but he's really just a failed actor. But he found out later on they became friends. But anyway, here is the article from the Telegraph. And this was Home, Culture, and Film, The King's Speech, The Real Story. The story of the stutter and sovereign, the epic events that inspired the Oscar tilt film, The King's Speech. By Nigel Farndale, 10.06 a.m. January 2011. There are many forms of irony, verbal, dramatic, situational, and so on. But the one that surely applied to King George VI was the irony of fate. It was as if the guides, or fates, were amusing themselves by a toying with his mind, mocking his felons, reminding him that he was very much a mortal. It was, after all, almost impossible for him to pronounce the letter K. Thanks to his debilitating nervous stammer, a cruel fate for a king. Even crueler, his reign coincided with the revolution in mass communication. With a revolution in mass communication. For the first time in British history, subjects could listen to the monarch addressing them through their wireless sets. That's amazing they had wireless sets back then. As As if he were with them. In their living rooms. Oh yeah, radios. It was transmitted through the airwaves. But the technology don't allow George VI to pre-record his broadcasts, as would be the case for the generations that followed. When he addressed the nation, I may make this a two-parter. When he addressed the nation, it had to be done through a live microphone, without editing and agony for a stammerer. The layers of irony did not end there, because he had been told that cigarettes might help his with him a mustache. George VI changed mode, and he con- consequently died of lung cancer at the age of 56 in 1952. And the greatest irony of all, the vulnerable and stammering king proved to be exactly the right man at the right time. The stammering that defined him and the courage with with which he tried to beat it came to symbolize the vulnerabilities of the British people as they stood alone against the Nazi tyranny that had the rest of Europe in its grip. A certain solidarity between the monarch's subject emerged, especially with King with George. Five, six. Sorry, overruled requests from the government that he and his family relocate to the safety of Canada. 
This became a mutual love the day after a Luftwaffe bond landed on the Buckingham Palace. I'm glad we, we've been bond, Queen Elizabeth said memorably. Now, and, and I'm actually stuttering just doing this uh, article. Uh, you see, I have a problem with my speech, too. That's one of the reasons why I watched it. Because I ran into it, my I kind of just landed on it. And I got to read in that little description, I decided to watch it. Because he said, I didn't really know much about him. He was born my time. Uh, and I, knew, uh, I didn't even probably know who Queen Elizabeth's daddy was. I know that sounds stupid, but I didn't. Uh... Uh, I'm glad we have been bond, Queen Elizabeth said memorably. Now, we can look the East in in the face. Giant Blue Man's autobiography, the Hope film Hope and Glory, all about growing up in London during the Blitz, captures this relationship well. In one scene, the family sits intensely by the wireless sets on Christmas Day, listening to the King's speech. When it is over... When it, when it is over, they sigh with relief and comment cheerfully upon how his stammer seems to be improving. If he can get through his affliction, they think perhaps the British people can get through theirs. For, three, for their part, the Nazis seem to regard King George VI as a joke in, in his Germany calling his broadcasts Lord Haha would sneeringly refer to your stammering king and you and your bendy leg queen as and as the part of the preparations he had made for the invasion of the British of, of Britain in nineteen forty. Hitler planned to return to Duke of Winsler, whom he regarded as a Nazi sympathizer, and to the throne. For their part the Nazis seem to regard King VI as a joke. In his German calling broadcast, Lord Hall, Lord Hall, would sneeringly refer to your stammering king and your bandy leg queen. And as a part of the preparations, he made the invasion. I've done read that. <laughs> Sorry, I lost my spot. On the on the surface, Edward the Eighth seemed to be much better equipped to be king than the brother who succeeded him. He was more charismatic and more handsome, more fluent, but he was also more freckless, self-indulgent, and politically naive. He also seemed to have been mean-spirited, taunted his younger brother about his stammer. George VI, in contrast, had fortitude and dignity. Had Edward not addicted, abducted into the, into the 1936 in order to, many, to marry Mrs. Wallace Simpson, the consequences for Britain could have been disastrous. And this was another of the great ironies. The story of George VI, the reluctant stammer king, has been made into a film, one took to take all before it at the years, at this year's Oscars, the King's speech is memorizing, moving, and beautifully judged, and sentimentally, and is up, right, right up to the, with Dame Judy's dentist, Mrs. Brown, and Dame Helen's Miriam Oscar winner, the, winning the Queen. I'm gonna take a little quick break. I'll be right back to finish this article, 
And I guess I'll play my free speech segment. Well, I guess I won't play the free speech segment. I'll get it loaded. So I'll be right back. Thank you for listening. And I am back about this article called the Stuttering King or Slammering King or whatever it is. The Slammering King, is it? It's it stars Colin Firth as the king. Helen Boehm Boehm Carter as his wife Queen Elizabeth, the future queen mother, and future queen's mother, and Jeffrey Rush as Lionel Lowe, the maverick Australian speech therapist who forged an unlikely friendship with the king after almost curling him, curing him of a disability of his disability. The two met on October 19th, on October 19th, 1926, at Logue's consultant room in Harley Street, on Harley Street, Prince Albert. Bertie, as he was known, was still the Duke of York at the time. Elizabeth had tracked Logue, Logue down after an attempt at a live broadcast that ended in humiliation and silence. The Duke had been asked to give the closing address at the British Empire's Exhibition at Wembley's in 1925. The couple had tried the traditional court, had tried all the traditional court, do- court doctors with the equivalent methods such as filling the, stud- the sufferer's mouth with marbles, but to no avail. I think I may have remembered hearing this in school. I think even Miss Mrs. McFarland might have gone up. Now remember, I used to sleep, so but now that I'm hearing about the marbles, I'm thinking I remember. You know, they used to go on about mouthful of marbles. But to no avail. They received wisdom at the time. Was the slammering. They received wisdom at the time. Was that slammering was a form of mental weakness. After the war, Loeb's pioneering work with the king was recognized with the award of a CVO. He was also acknowledged as a leading figure in the speech therapy world. Yet Logue was not only medically unqualified as a therapist, he was actually an actor by training. He did, however, I'm on uh, large in this uh, up because I'm having trouble reading. Just give me a second. I'm going to click my arrows to bring up my fine. Because this fine is very small in this article. He did, however, know a great deal about autonomy and muscle therapy. His unorthodox methods had been horned while treating verbally locked and shell-shocked soldiers returning home to Australia for the First World War. Approaching his pioneered and psychotherapeutic, he suspected the problem for stammers was not simply physical. There that there was something, usually a trauma, around the age of four or five that created the condition. Logue suspected that the Duke's speech impediment might have been connected to his domineering fighter, George V, who had, among other things, forced the left-handed birdie to write with his right hand. Something. Yeah, I remember hearing about him now. Yes, I did hear about birdie. I remember Bertie now that I'm, now that I'm thinking about it in the dwells of my mind. I remember Mrs. McFarland teaching about Bertie. And he's been forced to write with his right hand. See, I'm left-handed too. 
You know something I noticed in the movie? That's what the doctor threw up. He told him, uh, I'm noticing the stutter and the slammer comes from people normally of the left, who write tall from the left end. And I had a fighter that was kind of rough, too, so me and Birdie was kind of alike here. So no wonder I wanted to watch the movie, even though I've never cared for the Royals. I'm going to go on record again. I don't worship them. But I had a little bit of sympathy for Birdie. So here we go. I'm just doing this article because I understand how Birdie felt because I didn't even want to do this podcast. I mean, I used to use the robots every time I used my voice, but now I'm getting better at it. And I don't really think nothing about putting it up anymore. Indeed, I can't shut up. <laughs> even though I sometimes still mess my words up and they don't come out right. Uh, I never did have a stammer or what you call the, but I did have a problem. Sometimes I get my words wrong and I say the wrong word even though I'm meaning something else. I'm bad, really bad at that. Part of this technique was due to to make the Duke believe the opposite. That his condition was physical rather than psychological and could be cured by breathing breathing exercises and saying tongue twisters. This gave the Duke confidence that he had been lacking here though. Another part of Logue's unconventional approach was to insist on addressing the Duke as Bertie. Much to the Duke's initial discomfort, he also insisted that their consultation should take place at the Harley Street office rather than the palace. In order to make the atmosphere less formal, the Duke reluctantly agreed, and over the course of the next ten months, the two men were to see each other for on 82 occasions for sessions less than an hour. Rosemary Hayhow, a leading speech therapist who is also a spokesperson for the Royal College of Speech and Language Therapists, says some of the methods used by Logue are still relevant today. One of the treatments used on the king was getting him to sing the words he was having trouble speaking. Singing is a very different process than to speaking. Singing is a very different process to speaking. Because the timing is dictated by the music. You know, I can do music too, but I'm never good at speaking. And I don't care. You people probably make fun of me. I don't really care. I'm tough enough to handle it. Hey, Shaw. Hey, Hal says, another method Logue used, because well, it's, it's visible anyway. I mean, you can practically hear it. Another method Logue used was to play music to the king through headphones while he was reading, so that he couldn't hear himself and become self-conscious, something known today as masking. Another scene showed the king's becoming fluent when he swears, and it is generally accepted today that when stammers are angry, they lose their inhibitions. Anxiety can tighten the voice box. Ahau says, no wonder I cuss a lot. Dang, I go to cussing. That's why. It's a part of it. And we do become less than other when we swear because the words don't hold meaning the same way, but it's not the standard technique. How would she have treated the king? Well, I would have used breath techniques as Logan, as Logan did, and I would also stand face-to-face with the king when he was doing his broadcasts because many stammers find it easier with someone supporting them. But the smoking I wouldn't have advocated, and it, as it irritates the vocal cords. Nowadays, we let the patients talk through their problems more. We are more client-led. 
In some ways, Loeb was treating the king as a child, but his methods were certainly an improvement on what came before. And then with that, I'm going to have to close this. Oh, wait, we'll, we'll leave any more seven. On September 3rd, 1939, the day the war was declared, the king had to deliver the most important speech of his life. A photograph of George VI on his occasional shows shows him in front of the microphone in his naval uniform sitting at the desk at the Buckingham Palace. This was staged. He was actually delivering the speech standing in a, at a lecture in, in, an, ante, in, in an, ant room, an art room where the window opened as a, as his, and his jacket off. Only Logue was allowed in the room with him and advised the king to forget everyone else and just say the speech to him. As a friend, he delivered. His delivery was calm, dignified, and measured. At the end of the broadcast, Loeb finally called him Your Majesty. And I am going to close with that. Thank you for listening to this. This has been another podcast, and I want to address some other things, too. Uh, I'm uh, going to continue to do my podcasting, even though I get annoyed with the situations. And I'm glad this podcast isn't necessarily 100% about politics. And uh, like I said, I can't shut up now. I, I like doing these podcasts. But back before I did it, that's why I watched this movie, was because I seen, when I read that little piece that was describing the movie, I thought, well, I'm going to watch this. Well, it wasn't that bad of a movie. I mean, it wasn't boring. It wasn't the best movie in the world, but it wasn't boring. I didn't think it was boring anyway. Uh, maybe if you see a king, of course, when he was doing his cussing, that was kind of funny. I didn't know he really did do that. They, obviously, he really did do that. My mom didn't think he really did that, but he, I guess he really did that, according to this article. And with that, I'll close. Thank you for listening, and this has been another Paranormal Night Owl Radio. Thank you for listening to the APS show on rockmore100fm.com. Be back soon. 2018 all rights reserved. Kiss me, baby, my head's a 